0: athletic brewing i cracked open an upside dawn golden athletic brew and let me say this no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer the answer is always athletic great flavor it's athletic award-winning styles it's athletic huge variety it's athletic fit for all times that's a registered trademark guys enjoy Them anytime, anywhere, without ever slowing down your summer. Beach days, music festivals, swim meets, camping, late nights, early mornings, literally wherever summer takes you. And here's the best part to me, zero hangovers the next day. Mm -hmm. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer or brew you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near Beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times.
1: what you gonna do. Better up cuz it's all about the Hey, welcome back to another installment of the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, Miami Hurricanes Beat writer for the Athletic, joined once again by my homeboy Carlos Ledo of the MIA All Day Podcast. It is Friday, uh, on the eve of spring football for the Miami Hurricanes, right around 3:45 p.m. here, March 3rd. Um, Miami's got a coaching staff, Carlos. We've—it's uh, about time they filled in the uh, the two vacancies. Uh, Kevin Beard hired earlier this week uh, from Toledo. Come back home to South Florida, where he's from, to be the receivers coach. He spent six years at Toledo. Uh, was last at Miami in 2015. helped recruit some guys that got here, including Amon Richards, uh, among those uh, recruits. And uh, and then Jason Taylor, you know, the NFL Hall of Famer with the Miami Dolphins. Yesterday, uh, that deal got done promoting him from an analyst role to a defensive uh, assistant. Um, he obviously will be coaching the defensive line in some capacity, but uh, considering we don't know if Joe Salavea, uh will end up going to the NFL or be here for the rest of this year and, and be on for 2023, uh, I'm kind of saying... It's an unsort of determined uh, position because he could end up going from defensive ends to being entire defensive line. In fact, I think that's what he will be. But uh, we'll see what happens if Joe Salavaya leaves, if another assistant uh, gets brought in and what other changes happen. It's a lot to discuss. Uh, But to start a camp, we have some mailbag questions. I just came back from Bradenton. I was at the IMG Academy Under Armour Camp. Uh, Grace Rayner, who's my colleague at The Athletic, was in Atlanta last weekend for another honor. So recruiting starting to pick up. In terms of kids taking visits tomorrow when camp opens, it's going to be a big day. It's going to be junior day for Miami. You're going to have a lot of kids there from around the country uh, coming to watch them practice. So, Carlos, let's start with the hires. How do you feel about Kevin Beard? How do you feel about Jason Taylor?
2: Listen, let's start with Kevin Beard. Uh, Really good hire, but he is not my favorite coach, Beard, to be quite honest with you. Um, You and I both know we've been discussing this. I have become obsessed with Ted Lasso. And uh, Kevin Beard is now my second favorite coach Beard. But that being said, I think he's a great hire for the Hurricanes. You know, former coach here at the University of Miami, former player, has done a really good job at Toledo. I think he brings uh, some more of that connection to the past, uh, to the championship past here at the University of Miami, that standard, that work ethic, the the sort of DNA that it, that it takes to be a Hurricane and bring that to the receiver position, and uh, you know I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to having him back. Obviously, having JT full time on the staff, on the field as an assistant coach, turning down the Dolphins uh, reportedly to stay at the University of Miami says says a lot. And this could be one of Mario's best recruiting jobs: is keeping JT away from uh, Mark Anthony Jr. and the Miami Dolphins, uh, and having yeah. him stay here on staff. So I'm excited about that. It's great not only from a recruiting perspective, but you're going to be uh, if you're going to be a defensive lineman coming out of high school going to college you want to be tutored and you want to be coached by a Hall of Famer. You want to be given, you know, one-on-one instruction by a guy who's not only done it, but done it at the highest levels of the NFL. Uh, So it's awesome to see. So I'm very excited about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, from a practicality standpoint, um, you know, I think Mario wanted Jason Taylor to be a part of the staff and, uh, you know, whether or not that would be possible, he needed some people to move. He needed guys to leave. Uh, and obviously that happened, uh, the moment, uh, Rod Wright went to join the Houston Texans, um, that opened up the door and then it was a matter of would Jason Taylor get hired by the dolphins? Um, my understanding is he did have conversations with them. I think it was about the outside linebackers position. Um, and in the end, the dolphins, I think went another direction. I don't know if he was offered another position on staff, but ultimately, uh, somebody in, in, at, at the university of Miami said that, uh, they, they paid Jason Taylor well. They wanted to have him here on the staff. Mario really wanted him to be here and be a part of the staff. And uh, and then as far as Kevin Beard is concerned, you know, I think Leonard Hankerson was the number one choice. Leonard Hankerson considered coming home uh, to coach receivers, but he's in a good situation in the NFL himself. And uh, and Kevin is a guy who, you know, spent six years with Jason Candle at Toledo. We know how much Mario wanted uh, Jason Candle to come in and be the offensive coordinator Um and as I mentioned, Beard can recruit. Um, he, he has good relationships, builds good relationships. I know Jeremiah Smith, I, I uh, exchanged some some messages with him on DMs and asked him, I said, what did Coach Smith tell you? What was, you know, just positive reviews. Uh, and, and that's important for Miami because as I've tried to stress many times on this podcast, Jeremiah Smith, uh, the Ohio State commitment, the number one wide receiver in the country, uh, is a huge Miami target, and I think ultimately we are going to judge Mario Cristobal's second recruiting class on whether or not he gets him. You know, Jeremiah Smith and JoJo Trader, the two uh, standout five-star receivers at Hollywood Chaminade. So, and you and you know what,
2: I think the the hiring of Kevin Beard and Jason Taylor speaks to the shift in the staff's uh, sort of culture within the staff the coaching staff mm-hmm. we discussed a lot about how this coaching staff in the previous season may have had a little bit too much ego uh, may have relied a little bit too much on the resume with Jason Taylor, although he's a Hall of Famer, he started off as, as an analyst. Analyst, He started off in the high school ranks with St. Thomas Aquinas, wanting to get right. into coaching. He's worked his way up into this position. He's willing to work. He's not looking to get bumped ahead of the line because he's a Hall of Famer, so he's a grinder, yeah. and, he, and he takes it seriously. And Kevin Beer, as you mentioned, has been with uh, Jason Candle at Toledo for s- six years, has not been in a major D1 program, not at a Power 5 program, and has been grinding and doing a hell of a job there. So it, it again, brings back that sort of reformation and a uh, new injection, injection of new culture within this coaching staff of grinding and working as opposed to relying on past
1: uh, success. You know, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with another writer on my, my three and a half hour drive home from Bradenton. Uh, another guy who I, I speak with quite a bit and we sort of share notes and share thoughts on, on how we view things with Miami. And, you know, he's of the opinion that, you know, Mario last year, when he first got the job, right. Wanted these big name coaches and then, now you know is it because he really wanted to change the culture or is it simply because this is the best he could do you know in terms of uh him being somewhat of a slave driver wanting guys to recruit their asses off and and like you said coach from a different perspective i i know mario did an interview with uh 247 sports on their football recruiting podcast i don't know if you got a chance to listen to that or not yeah. i listened to it yesterday when i was driving up to bradenton for the for the combine and uh you know, the way he he um, sort of spun, I think a lot of this was, um, you know, he he wanted some of this hungry type guys on here. But I, I, I would venture to say I, I use the word acquiesce because acquiesce means to do something that maybe you're not necessarily really believing in, but you're doing it because you have to. I think Mario, in a lot of ways, the changing of the offense, going back to the power spread air raid type offense the defense playing more aggressive. I think he has acquiesced to the players that he currently has on the roster um, so that he can win more games and, and, and put this program in the right direction. But I think in the long run, if you put a gun to Mario Cristobal's head and say, give me the truth, what kind of coaches do you want? I think it's the first staff that he hired. I think running the offense that he ran with Josh Gattis, having an experienced defensive quarter like Kevin Steele, just didn't have the personnel. And I, and, and I compared it to being a chef in the kitchen and not having the ingredients that you want, I think Mar is used to cooking with grease. Right, he's used to preparing some delicious fried chicken and shrimp, and and having some of the best players in the country. The problem is, he 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 had a bunch of noodles in his kitchen, and you know things that had to be boiled and softened and whipped together, uh, and 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 just things that you know anybody can make pasta. Right, uh, well the pasta last year stunk. It was five and seven. And, and it was because, you know, you had a bunch of chefs that didn't really know how to work with that pasta. There were uh, there were guys that cook. Listen, with this, this and- food
2: analogy is making me extremely hungry. I, I, I apologize uh, cut but this shit out but- before I need to get up and go get a sandwich or something. But I get what you're saying. And I think it's interesting that Mario coming in, we were expecting him to rely on his, his experience with Alabama, and Nick Saban mm-hmm. and his time at Oregon. Well, he had ingredients like you're talking about in both those places, right? Yeah. In reality, when he came here, what he needed to do was rely on his FIU experience. Right. Just what he's getting back to now is getting those guys or may not be household names mm-hmm. in terms of coaches and going out there and grinding and building the program from scratch. Right. Which he probably didn't anticipate
1: having to do, but now he's doing. Right. I- that's why I keep saying over and over again. And I know Mario said otherwise that he studied this roster and maybe he did, but it's different when you study it from afar when you get in the door and the heat of the battle and, and you've got a bunch of players in there that are noodles. And this not, is one uh, of those, this,
2: this roster is not... one of those chicks that you saw like across in the club. <laughs> like when you were in 609 back in the day uh, and you were standing at the bar, getting yourself a drink, it's already like one in the morning and you see some girl dancing on the dance floor, like 40 feet away and you're like, damn, she's fine. And you uh-huh. walk up on her and like, she's missing, missing a tooth. And she's like, uh, got a broken heel and the girl's, She's not looking right. You know what I'm saying? She's 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 good from far, but far from good. And this is what Mario walked into.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think mentally, just the the mental hurdles that he had to get rid of, you know, in terms of attitude and and being soft. Noodles is the perfect analogy to me. That's what they were. A bunch of noodles. So
2: so he, he they were cooked a little too soft before but he wants them a little more al dente. He wants them a little bit.
1: If he's going to make pasta, I think he's, he's a, a guy who prefers to cook with grease and, and and by grease, I mean some, some, uh, some great tasting, uh, guys that, uh, some fresh olive oil oil. that transition really well to the NFL and, and don't need to be, uh, you know, fried. Um, I, I, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this Under Armour camp that I went to because there's nine IMG. I mean, IMG is such a powerhouse every single year, right? National powerhouse. They bring in players from all over the country. Nine of the kids uh, are ranked in the top 200 in the 2024 recruiting class. And Miami's interested in in a few of them. Um, Personally, I walked away from there feeling as if they probably won't get any of the 2024 kids It's a different atmosphere. He had when, when Miami got the four kids out of IMG Academy last year, um, getting Francis Maui goal was huge. He was, you know, number one, number two offensive tackle in the country. Um, But I think he had a previous relationship to help him, right? He had a previous relationship with Riley Williams. He had a previous relationship with Jaden Wayne from being out on the West coast. I don't get the sense that he has that strong bond with these guys that are there now. So, I know people are going to say, "Well, what about IMG Academy? If they don't get any, I don't think it's a big deal." You know, I talked to quite a few people there. I get the sense that a lot of the Polynesian kids that they have that 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 were out on the West Coast that knew Mario that have a connection to Maui Goa. Maui Goa is going to help them, I think, recruit some of these yeah. dudes um, because he was sort of the alpha male on that team the last couple of years at, at IMG, and I think a lot of those guys respect him. But I'll put it this way: I didn't go, I didn't come away. Like, hey, they're going to sign a bunch of these dudes and Mario's going to kick ass at IMG Academy again. I think Miami has a lot to prove um, on the field this season. And and while it was, I don't want to say easy for Mario to recruit an elite recruiting class in year one, it's easier than it is this year going into year two because now you've got to prove, hey, this is my program. These are my players and I can win with my players. And I think until you show that on offense and defense, you're going to be playing from behind on some of these elite kids.
2: Yeah, and and a lot of the recruiting he was doing, like you were saying, was due to previous relationships that he built while he was at Oregon. And when he first got hired in Miami, it's all about hope springing eternal, right? The hope that Mario was bringing to the program, that he was going to change things around, the big names he was bringing to the program as far as the coaching staff was concerned. All those things were super exciting until you saw the result on the field. But by the time the season played out, these kids were already locked in. So this new group of kids is like, hey, hold on a second. Yeah, all that hype is great. Welcome back. We like you and all that, but let's see you put some shit on the field that makes us want to come to your school. Cause right now all you're doing is blowing smoke. Like everybody else used to.
1: David stone is the guy of all, of the nine that I looked at and I said, wow, he is a legitimate five star, um, you know, six, four, 283 pounds, uh, ridiculous muscle athleticism. You know, he's, he, he, he just, he, he looks the part of a five star defensive lineman uh, it looks to me like Michigan State and o- and Oklahoma, his home state. He's from Oklahoma originally. I think those are the two lead schools. But he did say that he wants to get down to Miami and visit Coral Gables with his family. But I'm of the opinion that Miami's playing behind on this guy, and it's pretty clear. Uh, so I think for the Miami fans who were hoping I'd come on here and give them a bunch of good news, I'm not going to bullshit you. It's not what I do. I'm not going to sit here and tell you Miami's really in it for some of these dudes when they're not. Um, Jared Gibson, who's a five-star running back. He was supposed to be here tomorrow, uh, in Coral Gables for the start of camp, He's flying back to Texas. And his dad, uh, was trying to recruit David stone to Texas right in front of me. So what does that tell you? Uh, you know, it sort of, sort of paints a picture of maybe where Jarek is going. Uh, mentioned to me, um, that he's, he's going to end up visiting, uh, taking official visits to Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and Texas, um, and he wants to make a decision probably midseason. I'm not saying Miami couldn't convince him, but again, I just want to make clear. It seems like they're playing behind on this guy. Ellis Robinson, who's another five-star, he's the number one cornerback in the country, committed to Georgia last month. I asked him point blank. You know, He says, look, my, I talk to Miami every single day. Alabama calls me frequently. LSU calls me. Um, but I asked him point blank. I said, what's the only way you don't end up at Georgia? He says, basically, Fran Brown, who's the the defensive backs coach at Georgia, isn't at Georgia. So if that happens, then Miami has an opening. But I have to say right now, again, give up on the Ellis Robinson dream. You can recruit them. Miami can call them every single day. But again, they're playing from behind. Um, There's some other talented guys out there. Uh, Jimothy Lewis, 6'6", 282 pound, uh, four-star offensive tackle, kid out of Mississippi. He is going to visit Miami. He told me officially. Think Tennessee, Georgia, Miami, and Michigan. But I think he's an SEC kid. Uh, he, he potentially could take his last visit to Ole Miss. He's only been playing football since he was 14 years old. Carlos, uh, you know, a kid that uh, he came in over 300 pounds. He's got 17% body fat. I watched him go through some of these combine type drills. He looks legit, like in terms of potential, you know, like being an elite type of offensive tackle in my mind. Um but, again, I think Miami's playing behind on him. I think he's an SEC kid. I think he probably ends up either at Tennessee, Georgia, or Mississippi. Um, there was a receiver that Miami recently got in on that I think they have a chance to get. He, he's new to IMG Academy. Uh, Jeray Hawkins, a West Virginia native, um, had 67 uh, receptions for 1,100 yards and 14 touchdowns last season back home in West Virginia. He's a legit track kid with track speed. Um, has trips to Miami, Florida, and Penn State this spring. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I, again, I think Miami has other priorities of guys that they want, but I think he's a guy to watch, especially if they don't get Jeremiah Smith or they don't get a, a JoJo trader to come. So, uh, and then some of the young guys, they had some 2025 guys that I was impressed with. Gavin Nix. This is a name to remember as the linebacker because linebacker is one of the toughest positions to recruit. He mentioned he's from Orlando, mentioned to me, Florida, Florida State, Miami, all doing a great job recruiting him. Um, but his first college trip is going to be to Notre Dame on April 15th. He's six feet, 224 pounds. Um, I talked with uh, Billy Miller, who's the, the uh, coach at IMG Academy. And he mentioned to me just a great leader. Um, so I think that's a guy that Miami definitely wants. Uh, to try to get a head start on. But I think, you know, when it comes to IMG Academy, I wouldn't expect a lot of signees this year.
2: It is what it is, man. Let's see how the season plays out. Maybe some buzz gets generated early on in the season with a defeat of Texas A&M or some other uh, fast start where the offense is looking great and the defense is looking a lot better than it did last year. And maybe it generates some, uh, some more interest from these guys. But we'll see. I think there's plenty of guys in South Florida and across the country that Mario can target that if you swing and miss at IMG this year, it's okay. You can pick up some other guys. Obviously not at the same level as some of these dudes. But you could fill in the blanks.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. I want to get into uh, some mailbag questions. This isn't necessarily going to be a long episode. Uh, It's a busy weekend for me. I've got camp tomorrow. You've got to go do taxes. Uh, And then I'm driving to Orlando for the Under Armour camp uh, in Orlando. So I'm going to go through these, and uh, this will probably be a short episode. Um, All right. This is from You Heard, uh, the You Heard Pod. Uh, What's the biggest area of concern and which are you most confident about? I'll let you go first.
2: Biggest area of concern is the defense. Let's see if we can put together a a defense to me that can at least be average and slow teams down and give the offense a chance to score some points. I think I'm more optimistic about the offense just because I think the upgrades on the offensive line are going to make a huge difference. I think the change in the system is going to help TVD and the receivers. Um, I think the running back room is a little bit more loaded than it was a year before. So I think the offense is going to be a little bit ahead of the defense this year coming in and hopefully um, under Lance Gidry and, and some of the guys they've added this year, especially the linebacker position, you know, can Wesley Bussain take that next step? Can um, Marigola, his brother, what's his name? He's Francisco. Not Francisco Marigold, yeah. They kill me with the Francisco and Francis. I'm like, you know, it, it's F1 and F2. What's going on here? F weird. <laughs> so um, now I just got into trigonometry. I don't know why. Anyway. I think because of those additions of, of Lance Kidry, I think the, the uh, upgrades of the linebacker, the upgrades along the defensive line, I think still defensive tackles a weakness. I think corner is still a concern. I think outside of the top two safeties, that's still a little concern. So I, I think the defense to me has more holes on it and, and is going to be the one that needs to take a little bit more time to to be rebuilt. So for me, I have the least amount of confidence in the defense. I have more confidence in the offense.
3: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply. Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV terms and restrictions apply.
1: I agree um, with that assessment. I do think that the better coordinator of the two is Gidri. Yes. Um, I think not that I don't think Shannon Dawson could be a good coordinator here or that his system couldn't work here. I just think um, in terms of track record who I have more confidence in to, to, to do a better job. I think Guidry, you know, gets the edge um, in terms of bias, right. Of what I believe going in without really seeing either one of the guys or knowing the guys, just knowing some history. Um, I think they the better coordinators on the defensive side, but I do think that the biggest area of concern is cornerback. Um, you know, Miami wasn't very good at the position last year, and I'm not sure that they're going to be any better without Tyreek Stevenson and without DJ Ivy, and that's saying something. I think no. know, I talk talking to some people um, in the last couple of weeks, my sense is that, to Corey couch is probably going to have to play outside cornerback this year uh, because as much as Kelvin might be excited about uh, Kelvin Harris might be excited about Chris Graves, who's, who's from his Fort Myers uh, area. I think he's a second year player who played six snaps last year and to expect him to come in and settle into the number one cornerback role is probably a lot. Uh, Devontae Brown from UCF played a ton. Haven't gotten a whole lot of positive reviews um, in terms of what, Necessarily, he looks like day one at Miami. I, I think he's a guy who did what he did at UCF. He had a great second season last year, not as good. So, is he going to come in here and be Akeem Mesador at the cornerback position, or is he going to be Mitch Lagude? Right, pretty clear. Akeem Mesador was legitimately good. Pretty clear, Mitch Lagude came in and was pretty average. I think yep. right now the assessment is he's probably closer to Mitch Lagude than he is Akeem Mesador and that is a concern for me. I think I almost am at the point where I might say I'm more worried about cornerback than receiver. Um, So we will see how this works out, but not a position loaded with depth. Damari Brown, who I think will be their best cornerback in two years, uh, doesn't get here until the summertime that puts him behind the eight ball. He doesn't get all the reps that the other guys are going to get. And, um, and yes, there is another transfer. The kid they got out of uh, Iowa, Again, he's played 500 snaps in his career, didn't play a lot, injured a lot. So I think cornerback is my area. All right, this is from David Engelson. What have you heard from inside the building about Guidry and Dawson so far? Also, if Jason Taylor is in my living room recruiting me, I'm going there. What have you heard about Taylor's recruiting prowess? Well, David, I'm glad you asked about uh, Jason Taylor. I, I I don't really have a lot on Guidry and Dawson so far. The only thing I have on Guidry is that, and this was the assessment of one Hurricanes player who I happen to speak to, they said it's it's a mix of Manny Diaz's defense with Kevin Steele's defense, was the description I got. Um, as far as Dawson is concerned, uh, you know, he at least has the history of coaching at a power five school being at West Virginia prior to uh being with Houston. But um as far as Jason Taylor is concerned, I know everybody thinks, oh, he's gonna be great on the recruiting trail. Uh David Stone, who's somebody Miami badly wants, was asked by Gabby Uhrutia. Of uh, of inside the you great pronunciation yes I have been practicing I've also been Gabby giving Gabby some some information about teething uh, for babies because he he's got a young daughter and, and he's going he's rough nights for Gabby sleeping. let's start
2: with that let's start with that really quick because that's very interesting and may help a lot of people so what yeah.
1: what did you give him what advice well I just asked my wife I said what did we give the girls and so she that was great a job great job of Amazon listen. products I'm a i am just I just move the product bro that's all
2: I do that's great because you know when to delegate that's what a good coach does. Right? That's right. Um, what I would recommend to Gabby, if he does listen <laughs> to the pod, um, there was this thing that we gave our daughter, Sarah, when she was uh, a baby that helped with the teething and she loved and still remembers to this day. It's called Sophie the Giraffe. Okay. And Sophie the Giraffe is a little giraffe that's sort of fun and, and looks cool. And it's a teething ring that the kids love to put in their mouth and use. So it, it helps with teething a lot. It won't help with the pain, but mm-hmm. it'll keep them entertained and sort of distract them from it.
1: All right. Well, I, I, we've given Gabby a lot of recommendations here in the last twenty-four hours, but I'm going to make sure he gets this one as well. Gabby the giraffe, you said is, is the so, name. No, no,
2: no. Gabby is the guy. The, yeah. The, 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 okay. The, See, I'm
1: confusing. Urubia
2: is is not the giraffe that I'm discussing. Uh, it's Sophie, Sophie the giraffe. Sophie the giraffe. All right. Yes. I got,
1: I got the right, uh, the right name now. Um, all right. The question was about Jason Taylor, his recruiting prowess. So Gabby asked uh, David Stone about Jason Taylor and if they had much relationship. Jason Taylor was an analyst, he couldn't recruit um, right. those guys. So, in fact, I almost walked away from that questioning whether or not David Stone even knew who Jason Taylor was. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like he's never heard of Jason Taylor? Because here's the thing, Carlos. Here's the thing you and 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 Big O, when I was on a show earlier this morning, had the same not he didn't have the same reaction, but his listeners had the same reaction you did when I said that because the comments blew up. How could he not know who Jason Taylor is? I'm going to tell you something. A lot of these young 16, 17 year old athletes, if you have not played in the NFL within the last five years or three years, they have no idea who you are. Okay, and I think that I think that's something that's tough for people like you and me to swallow because we consume the sport so much. We're older. The reality is a lot of these kids don't keep up with all of that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying he doesn't know who Jason Taylor is. He might know him. He might recognize him when he steps on Miami's campus. What I'm saying is I don't think he realized he didn't react in a way that told me, wow, it's going to be exciting to be coached by an NFL Hall of Famer. It was more of a reaction like, does this kid even know who Jason Taylor is? That's all I'm saying. So right. Now, to your point, and I get
2: it. I get it. We're <laughs> old fuddy-duddies now, right? We're in our 40s. Right. I'm not going to say approaching mid-40s. Um, but when we were younger... We knew about football history, basketball history, like the sports that we follow. We not only knew the current guys, but we enjoyed and loved the sports so much. Even the guys I hung out with knew about the past. Like I knew about the no-name defense. I knew about the Killer Bees, even though I was too young to know about that kind of stuff. I knew about, you know, Bob Greasy. I knew about Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, Mercury Morris. I wasn't alive during those times, but I knew about it, right? I knew about great NFL players that came before. I knew about Jack Lambert. Right. I knew uh, uh, about Franco Harris. I knew about the Immaculate Reception, all these things. I remember watching the old NFL films, shows that they would put on TV like we would consume this and be obsessed with it. But I guess it's a generational thing now where kids really don't care that much about anything other than TikTok and uh, them just playing their own game.
1: Yeah, I I think that might be a case here. Um, I'm sure he'll get to know Jason Taylor quite a bit. But I think for everybody who just assumes, oh, wow, this is going to be. Uh, unless you're Deion Sanders and you're on TV on like eight different commercials and unless you're a coach in the a head coach in the game today uh, and you weren't, you know, like in Jason Taylor's case, an analyst, you may they may not know who the hell you are because analysts aren't allowed to recruit. And how crazy is this?
2: People, kids nowadays know Michael Jordan because of the crying
1: meme and they know right. Deion Sanders because of the Aflac commercials. Right. Not because of what they did. That's what happens. We get older, and we think we think, oh, how, how ridiculous! The reality is, these kids just grow up different. All right. Um, this is from Andrew V seventeen. Which position groups will you be focused on in, the most in spring ball? I think we kind of answered it for me. It's receiver and, and cornerback. Is there a specific position group you're focused on?
2: Receiver and corner as well. And I'd like to see uh, how TVD takes on this offense during the spring and how how comfortable he feels in it. And I want to see Shannon Dawson's play calling style. He, we're not mm-hmm. going to see it completely, but we're going to see a little bit of his of his style, a little bit of what he likes to throw out there during the spring. Uh, and, and I think going back to your point earlier about the da- the Dawson-Gidry conversation, I think Gidry's, to me, the, the the better bet right now in terms of who's the better coordinator, just because of the track record and how long he's done it, right. and done it at a high level. Dawson hasn't necessarily called plays all that long, but it might be a situation where this guy's a hidden gem. And they have the opportunity to really flourish under a guy who's been waiting to have his own uh, opportunity to call plays. And I'm hoping that's what it is.
1: Um. All right. This is from red-headed, redheaded girl dad to a believer on Twitter. Does the fact that Ed Reed not returning mean anything? Also, I still don't understand what his role was at Miami. Yet he was willing to be all in at Bethune as their head coach. Can you shed any light on what Reed did part time at Miami and remote yet would be committed to BCU? All right. Obviously, you know here's what I can tell you about Ed Reed when he was brought in by Manny Diaz, he was brought in basically to be a consultant. Okay. They gave him a fancy title, chief of staff. Um, Ed hung around the building. He came to practices. He was at games, smoked cigars, read books and was around, but he was around on his time. He wasn't there every single day. He wasn't in meetings in, you know, Let's correct different... that. Let's correct that,
2: Manny. In, in the words of Spicoli, if I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it
1: our time? Correct. <laughs> um, correct. But I, I think in this case, Ed was on his own time, right? And his contributions were not nearly what it takes to be a head coach nowadays. And I think that's part of what got him into trouble at Bethune cookman. He realized how much responsibility he had on him and he criticized the school. And so, yes, in the long run, does it mean anything for Miami? Well, it sucks. You you want NFL hall of famers to be around your players. That's nice. Right. But Ed's, you know, a different kind of individual. This isn't for everybody in some regards. And I think the role that he had under Manny at the time was specific for him, for Manny to help Manny out. Um, under Mario, I don't think Mario needs Ed Reed to be around him, um, if that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, not only that, but going back to your point about Jason Taylor, if they don't know who the hell Jason Taylor is, they don't know who the hell Ed Reed is.
1: <laughs> what will be Ja'Curry's role this year? And of course, he means Ja'Curry Brown. I think he's the backup quarterback. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you give your opinion, and then I'll, I'll counter off of
2: that. So, you know, unless Tvd gets hurt, he's going to be the backup, like you said. But I think it would be interesting to see if they have goal line packages for him to use his athleticism within the 20s, uh, within the red zone and, and inside the 10. Just because he's such a good athlete and you want him to get more game experience and get more reps. You saw what he could do last year under a crappy offensive line and a bad situation. He gave you a spark on offense. So it'd be nice to try and inject him every now and again. Uh, you know, give him a, a three or four plays a game. I think having a package for Ja'Curry to get in every game, get his feet wet, and try and give the offense a little spark here and there would be
1: great. Um. All right. There's there's a series of questions here, and, and I want to make sure I pick some good ones. Um, this is from Samuel Dumarque on Twitter. Do you see any additional coaching changes? still happening after completion of the staff with beard and Taylor. I think, again, I I've tried to stress this over and over again. I think it could change all the way up until the first fall practice. I think yeah. th- th- there's a chance that, um, there will be a new defensive assistant. If, uh, Salovea heads to the NFL or somewhere else. Yep. Yeah, and maybe Stephen feels still not secure. Who knows? Mario likes to toy with him. Right. And then this kind of answers Alex Avila's question. Who's, uh, as a Bolt's Alex, uh, JT's title as defensive line coach. Sounds like more changes might be simmering. Yeah, again, it kind of goes up that alley. Um, this is from T Miller Golf. Uh, did we ever hear what TBD's shoulder injury was? Did he need surgery? This is a conversation I had long ago. So I'm 44. My memory is starting to fade on me, and I have to check again. But I I'm of the understanding that he didn't have to have surgery, that it healed on its own and that it's strong and healthy. If he would have had surgery, he wouldn't have come back. He came right. back twice from from two different incidents. And I don't and He wouldn't be he, he
2: probably wouldn't have been ready for the spring, right?
1: No, he wouldn't be ready for the spring and I was told he would be. So, right. I think uh I think he's good to go and I think it's just a matter of letting it heal, bruised type of deal. Um and Bruce Eagle. And Bruce Eagle, right. Um this is from Adam Folds Um, a folds 81 on Twitter. What effect do you think the new coaching staff will have on the team come spring that can carry over into the fall? I don't want to say spring football is overrated, but I'm going to say it. Um, I just, I, I, I think the only thing you're going to get out of this spring is implementing the new system, getting players to become familiar with it. But as far as competition competing for starting jobs, um, maybe you establish the starting offensive line. Maybe you figure that out before the end of the spring. Maybe you figure out which receivers you can count on. Maybe you figure out who your lead running back is. Maybe you get some clarity on who your top cornerback is. I'm not saying it's it's a waste, but I think um, carryover, there's going to be new players added to this team after spring football that are going to mm-hmm. come in and shake shake things up. So it's hard to say other than the base defense and offense. There's not much I think that's going to carry over. Yep. And I think it's it's just more
2: of an opportunity for the coaching staff, the new guys on staff to get familiar with the players and the players get familiar with them and build that bond. That's pretty mm-hmm. much it.
1: This is kind of along the lines of a deeper question uh, from Jono uh, P. Elliott on Twitter. What are the realistic signs that Mario and staff have got the program back Uh, on track for long-lasting success. Obviously, wins are a great indicator short-term. But teams like TCU, Michigan State, have had great seasons, then tailed off being able to sustain it. I'm interested to hear your answer. I know how I'm going to answer this. Well,
2: I think a lot of those teams, like Michigan State and TCU, but although TCU's success has, has popped back up again, relied on the portal to get success quickly. And they didn't do the work of building the foundation culturally. Uh, And building the team with the type of players that they were looking for that fit their style, their system, and what they want to do, not only from a physical standpoint, but from a mental uh, standpoint or a cultural standpoint. So to me, the the first sign is going to be, how does this freshman class come in and what kind of an impact they have on the team culturally and, and obviously on the field in terms of competition? And second, can they continue to stack classes on top of each other? Because these kids talk right? They, 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 the kids that are freshmen now are going to be talking to their old teammates that are still in high school. They all know each other. And if they're getting a good vibe from the guys that are currently on the team and they feel like, okay, these guys are moving in the right direction from the guys that are now at the University of Miami that just got there, then that's going to help build recruiting classes. That's going to help get guys to the team, to the University of Miami. So if they're able to stack another class on top of this one, that's another top seven, top 10, top five class, that means that, that it's changing because the guys on the team believe it is.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with your sentiment. I would also add this. I mean, in addition to having the program sort of recruit itself where Mario doesn't have to do the heavy lifting anymore, other players want to come play with the elite players that are here, I would say the sign that the program is really back on track is that you don't have departures of good players. I think with the with the transfer portal and NIL, Being five and seven, being seven and five, which I think Miami will be this coming season, opens the door to good players saying, Miami's not going to help me get to the NFL. Miami's not helping me get anywhere. I can leave for my senior year to go play at somewhere else. And I think in today's NIL era, the positive sign is when the good players stick around and bring in other good players. That's a sign of a healthy program. So I think it's it's not just recruiting and stacking, but ultimately good players staying and bringing and to in your other point, good players. And
2: to your point, guys that maybe aren't full-time starters, being rotational guys, staying as well and not jumping ship for more playing time because they believe in the program.
1: Yeah. I agree a thousand percent. I think that's, that's when you really know Miami's back to being Miami and, and obviously wins are a part of it. You know, they can't go out there and do that winning seven or six games every single year. Uh, So it matters if you win nine or 10 and, and develop some level of consistency. But I think ultimately it's in today's game, how healthy is your roster? How much does your roster believe in this coaching staff and how much do the kids believe in the coaching staff? And that's what Mario needs to get to. That's when we see success here. Um, all right, this is from Hey, Mr. DJ 21. His name's Danny. Oh, that's a jam.
2: Hey, yeah. Mr. DJ.
1: Yeah, this is the last one we're getting to because <laughs> we're, we're going to wrap this puppy up here. Will the ACC cease to exist as we know it if the conference TV deal is not restructured within the next few years? Probably.
2: Uh, I think it's going to be such a revenue imbalance that the conference is going to be at a severe disadvantage. It's no longer be a power five conference. I mean, power five, it's going to be reduced to maybe power two, power three. Um, and the ACC needs to be able to be flexible and adaptable to make the changes it needs to, to be able to help its member institutions stay competitive with the other conferences like the SEC and the big 10. Um, so, you know, if they don't make changes, if they're stubborn and they continue to do things the way they're doing,
1: then yeah, they're going to become obsolete like dinosaurs. All right, there's a couple of ways to answer this question. Number one, uh, unequal revenue sharing, right? Would the ACC do that to, to please Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, whoever's considered a good program? Um, I don't see that happening um, because then if essentially as a program or as a, as a conference, you're saying these are the only teams that can help us win. And the contract is through 2036. Um, the SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12, and Big 12, all of those TV deals that are just been signed and redone will be renewed before then, but it won't be renewed until after 2030. So when people ask me this question and they bring it up, blah, 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 I, I hate to tell them, but I think it's a lot of horseshit. I just don't think the ACC is in any position to improve itself. They're kind of effed, if we're being honest. And as much as Clemson and Florida State may want more money so they can compete with the Joneses and get a bigger piece of the pie and and hire the best coaches, et cetera, it's not going to happen, Carlos, until we get closer to those other TV deals having to be renewed. And if I was the Big Ten in the SEC, I would have no motivation whatsoever to want to split the pie with Clemson and Florida State because I have the biggest pie. I don't need to share my pizza with you if you aren't good enough to come here and win championships and give us something that we don't have. Florida State and Clemson are not markets for the big Ten. I mean, for the SEC to feel like it needs to make a push for them because they have South Carolina already, right? They've got the Florida Gators. They're in those areas. Um, The only conference that can change this is the big Ten, in my opinion, because they aren't in Florida and they aren't in South Carolina. Now, what's going to motivate them to do that? Probably the SEC winning every single championship for the next six years, seven years. Then they'll be motivated to want to bring in help and reinforcements if they continue to be the second best conference in college football. So anyway, to make a long story short, that's my train of thought on the whole thing. Um, I think the ACC is effed. I think uh, Jim Phillips and company will do their best to create little things to create more money for them, getting you know, a, a deal done with the Pac-12 to do kickoff classics and do whatever kind of marketing things they can do to bring in. But in the end, it's not going to be what matters. It's, it's not going to equal 30, $40 million gap that there's going to be between SEC, Big Ten and everybody else. Um, so we can sit here and talk about it till we're blue in the face, but 2036 is a long time from now. And you don't cut down On the tv deal money until you get closer to that date and until the media rights because the whole thing on all this carlos is esp espn owns the tv rights through 2036 those are the people with the power well guess who's paired up with espn it's the sec that's not who you need to come in here what the acc needs is or the acc schools that want to get out is is fox who owns the big 10 deal to, to be motivated to come in and say, we need Clemson, Miami, North Carolina and Florida state. And we need to bring them over so that we are, we become that elite conference. And yeah, really, so the hope
2: the hope is that Miami is sexy enough at that point that they'll make, right.
1: Right. I think the hope is at that <clears throat> point, but for anybody who believes that the ACC like is going to change in the next t- couple years, um, what you have to hope for is that Mario and Dabo and Mike Norville and and people in this conference start to play consistently well year in and year out. Um, And that's going to be a challenge because the best coaches in college football, the best coordinators and assistants are going to end up going to the Big Ten and SEC because they've got bigger budgets to pay those guys. Yep. So just the way it is. Uh, Anything else, Carlos, as we wrap up here on a Friday before the start of spring football?
2: No, you got that song stuck in my head. That's just the way it is. Right. Um, looking forward to football man even though it's, uh, it's springtime it's going to be just 11 on 11 but uh, in the words of Ted Lasso this is the only place right that we get to play each other where we're safe right so I'm enjoying it I'm looking forward to it it's just you know you're an addict you're an addict for football and college football you're looking forward to anything you get your hands on so I'll take you know exhibition stuff and uh, word of word, you know, articles about scrimmages and and stuff that really doesn't make a difference or matter in the long run. Just because uh, I need to feed this addiction, I need to chase that dragon until the fall.
1: All right, fair enough. April fourteenth, spring game at Fort Lauderdale Lockhart Stadium on a Friday afternoon. The five and seven Canes. I'm gonna keep calling them that. I want I want to lower expectations. The five and seven Hurricanes back to spring football. We'll see what Mario Cristobal can do.